All right, good morning, church. How is everyone today? Good. Um, Today, I want to invite each of you to turn in your copy of the scriptures to Luke chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I do want to say that from my family to your alls, I hope that you had a very Merry Christmas. I hope that it was a time where you got to be with family, where you got to reflect on um, Jesus Christ and his coming and his birth here in very humble means. And I hope that you really did take the time to reflect on that. It's what the holiday season's meant for, and I do hope you were truly blessed in that. And likewise, I hope that you also took this holiday season to be with your family and to reflect on what it truly means to be a family. I know that for many of us, including my own family, the holidays looked a little bit different this year. Some people missing, some people weren't able to be there because of current circumstances. But I do hope that it was a time that you all were able to at least spend with family in some way and that you were able to reflect on what it actually means to be a family. And this morning, we're going to look into God's Word. We're going to look into Jesus' family, actually. And um, we're going to look into his early years. A lot of you probably looked into Luke chapter 2 with your families for um, the Christmas passage. It's a very familiar passage. It's the very popular Christmas passage. But today we're going to be looking at the latter part of Luke 2, and we're going to be talking about Jesus' family. And we're going to be talking about just how important family really was to Jesus, and how we can model ourselves after that. Um, Like I said, I know it's been hard for families this year with the pandemic and all. Um, My own family, it has been trying and difficult for different members of of our household, but this Christmas, it was truly awesome because this was our very first Christmas with our son, Samuel. Um, He was born in April of this year, and... um, it's just been crazy learning about family, and I hope that's been a theme that God has been using this pandemic to teach each of you is just how important your family is to you. It, he certainly has been teaching me about that. And I will never forget the day after Samuel was born, sitting in the recovery room at the hospital, and we had the little TV up on the wall going, and we were watching the news, and I remember President Trump getting on the news and saying, America, today I'm announcing a national shutdown, and I just remember feeling this extreme sense of anxiety of, man, what are we going to do now? What does this mean for my family? What do we do going forward? And God has really used this time to help me grow and help me grow closer to my family. I thank him so much for that opportunity, and today that's going to be our focus, and I hope that we can leave here with a renewed sense of that. So like I said, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start this morning in verse 41. Let's read. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, he went there according to the customs of the feast. Now I'm going to go ahead and pause there for a minute, and we're going to build a little bit of the foundation and the framework of what we're going to be reading today. It's very important to have the context of what the scriptures are saying, so we're going to just take a minute to get that. Um, every year there were four meetings, major meetings in the country a year. Um, the biggest of those meetings is the one that we're listening to today, is the Passover meeting. It's, um, it was a week-long event where believers from all over the nation would come together, and they would come and worship, they would offer sacrifices, they would fellowship with each other, they would listen to the scriptures being read, and my personal favorite part, they would feast together. And... 
this was such a huge event. Families would come, communities would come in massive caravans to these events. And for many of them, it wasn't a very short journey to make. From Nazareth, where Jesus and his family was coming from, that was their home, all the way to Jerusalem, where the Passover was being held, it was a 65-mile walk. Now, most of us, we drive that in a weekend. But back then, they didn't have Chevys and Fords. Most of them walked. And for those that didn't walk, they had uh, donkeys. And donkeys weren't necessarily known for being the fastest of animals. And think to yourself, when's the last time you walked 65 miles to get from one place to the other? I don't believe I ever have, nor do I hope to ever have to do that. Um, and the 65 miles, it probably took them a couple of days at least to get from Nazareth to Jerusalem, and that's assuming they didn't have to stop and make any detours or go around any beaten paths or whatever. So it was a long journey for them. Um, And so now that we have a little bit of that context of what's going on in this passage, let's continue reading here in verse 43. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days required, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Instead, they thought that he was somewhere in the caravan, and they went a day's journey, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. Have any of you ever had the awful experience of losing a child? I can't say that I ever have, like losing him at the mall or the grocery store or something. He's only eight months old, so it's hard for him to get away from me just yet. But... There's someone very close to me that has, and I got their permission to share this story this morning because um, it's very applicable to what we're reading today, and it's very similar. Uh, my grandmother, bless her heart, um, when she was raising my uncle, um, his name's Kevin, she would tell us this story um, about him, and he was this rambunctious little kid. He was ornery. He was all over the place all the time, getting into things he never should, and she told us the story of when he was a little kid. They were at the mall. Um, she was shopping, doing her thing, and he was so rowdy that she had to have one of those, you know, those little backpacks that have a leash hooked to it that you have for your kid. You got to drag him along, stuff like that. She had to have one of those for her son. And, you know, she's standing there at the mall, shopping, doing her thing like she normally did. And my uncle, being the kid he was, he got the idea to take the little latch that was hooked onto his backpack off, and he hooked it onto, you know, those little circular clothing racks there. He hooked it onto that, and he just ran off and did whatever he wanted to do. And I I would have just loved to have been there. I would have just loved to have been a little fly on the wall, seeing my grandma standing there looking at the coats, and here she is holding a coat rack by a leash. I would have have paid anything to have seen that. And, but once she realized what happened, she was terrified. She was like, where's my son? Where's Kevin at? And so she unlatches herself, and she goes and looks throughout the store, looking for her son. And then after a couple minutes, she sees, you know, those circular racks that had the coats and the clothing? She sees these two little feet sticking out from under there. And she appeals back the coats and all that stuff, and there's my uncle standing there hiding from her in the middle of the clothing store. And I tell you that story because, yes, it's silly, but it also, it also reflects this very well. It's that same kind of terrifying feeling that Mary and Joseph must have had by losing their son, and probably it's not even close to what they probably felt because he's the Messiah. 
I mean, just think of everything that they've been through this year, or, or previous years. Jesus is 12 at this point, but think of what they've been through up at this point. An angel comes to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of God, and he's going to be the ruler of nations. And to think that, oh my goodness, I just lost the son of God. She must have felt like she was in him for a world of hurt. And so it's very similar in that way. So just imagine, keep that thought in your head. Just imagine how terrified she must have been. She's running through this caravan, running with her family and her friends and community. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Nobody's seen him. So her and her husband have to run back to Jerusalem and hope that they find him. And thankfully, the story doesn't end there. So let's keep reading and see what happens when they finally get back to Jerusalem. Pick back up with me in verse 46. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answer. When Mary and Joseph found Jesus, the the scriptures here tells us that Mary was anxious and very sorrowful while looking for him. But can you imagine the major sigh of relief that she must have given when she finally found him after three whole days. I just imagine him sitting there, um, sitting there on the stairs of the temple and her just, finally, I've found my son. And, you know, sometimes that's the way it's going to be for us. There are many of us who have a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear in our lives right now. Some of us who are even sorrowful, like Mary here, like the scriptures say Mary was. And sometimes when we are looking for Jesus in our lives, that's the kind of state that we're going to be in. And, but no matter the circumstances that you're currently facing at this point, just remember that when you ultimately do find Jesus, you will be able to give that same sigh of relief that Mary was able to give. Now, when Mary questioned Jesus, um, he was sitting at the temple with the teachers And, you know, I just imagine, remember, Jesus is only 12 years old at this point. He is a little kid. And I just imagine this little kid sitting at the temple with these amazing teachers, these brilliant men I picture in my head, people like Dr. Parvin, Mr. Best, for those of you who know him, Dr. A. Um, I just imagine him sitting down with these absolutely brilliant individuals and just absolutely walking circles around their understandings of the scripture, absolutely walking circles around their understanding of theology. And that's just the kind of picture that I get in my head here when listening to what Jesus was doing at this point. And, you know, I just think that is absolutely incredible. Even as a 12-year-old kid, the scriptures tell us that people were amazed at his understanding and amazed at his knowledge. And this morning... I want us to remember that and focus on that for just a minute and leave here with the understanding of just how awesome Jesus is, even as just a little kid. And what a better way to end off 2020 and going into 2021 than just thinking about Jesus and thinking about how awesome he is. You know, Jesus goes on after this. This is um, a very short chapter, but... Jesus goes on after this to do absolutely incredible things, things that have never been done in history before, and he came to fulfill his ultimate purpose of dying on the cross for you and me. And it just, his whole life is spent 
um, doing things that we can give him incredible praise and incredible glory for. And so that's, one, that's why I want us to remember as we end off this year and start going into the next year um, is just how awesome Jesus is. I know it's been a hard year for a lot of us, but we can have hope and we can have relief in that. Um, and, you know, going back for a second, um, talking about that sigh of relief that Mary just have, that must have had, you know, we talk about how awesome Jesus is, but maybe there are some of you here this morning that um, this is your first time here in a while. Maybe you're out of town. Maybe you're from out of town visiting family. Maybe you've just started coming to this church just a few weeks ago. Um, if that's you this morning and you feel like this inner sense of anxiety and fear that, man, I don't know what's going on in life. I don't know what's happening in the world today. I don't even know what's going to happen when my time here on earth is done. If that is you this morning, and if you feel that inside, then don't carry that anxiety and fear with you. That's not what we're meant to do. We're supposed to pursue and look for Jesus. And when you finally find him and accept him to be your personal Savior, then at that point is when you will be able to take that same sigh of relief. And so don't leave here today without doing that. Please come talk to me. Come talk to one of the pastors. And we would love to be able to sit there, sit down with you and um, talk to you just about how you can find Jesus and you can quit searching and you can quit feeling this anxiety and fear looming over you. Um, back to the text. I'm sorry for that little rabbit trail, but back to the text. Um, when Mary questioned Jesus, uh, his response to her is absolutely awesome. I love this um, part of the text. Um, it, said, it says here... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped over something. <laughs> Let's read in verse 48. Sorry. When Mary and Joseph saw him, they were bewildered. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Had, yet, had they yet on their part not understood the statement which he had made to them? And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued to be subject to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Now, going back to what I was saying a minute ago, when Mary questioned Jesus about why he ran away from them, why that he did not stay with uh, her and the rest of the caravan, his, his response is absolutely awesome. He says, Mom, why were you anxiously looking for me? Do you not know that I am where I am meant to be? Where else would the Son of God be but in the house of the Lord? And I just think this is an absolutely awesome response for multiple reasons. But the biggest reason is that this is the very first time that we see Jesus written here in the Scriptures. This is the very first time that we hear of Jesus actually confessing himself to be the Son of God. This is the very first time of him himself confessing that. And, you know, the rest of his life, after Luke chapter 2 here, starting in Luke 3, going on through the rest of the book, we're going to see Jesus do a lot of amazing things. And he's going to confess himself to be the Savior of the Lord, to be the Savior from our sins. Um, but this is the very first time, and it's just as a little kid. And I think this is so awesome to be able to see this little, tiny kid have such understanding of his purpose in life and understanding that, um, hey, where else am I supposed to be? I am the Son of God. I am where I'm meant to be. There's no need to fear. You found me. 
And I just think that's an absolutely awesome picture. And even though, like the scriptures say, uh, they didn't understand exactly what he meant by saying this, Jesus did what he was meant to do. He did what he was supposed to do and what we are called to do. He planted that little seed inside of, the, inside of their hearts. You know, we are called in the scriptures to share our faith, to share the good news of Jesus with other people. But it's not our job to save people. That's God's job. And I just think that this is so important because we see Jesus just planting that little seed. And so let's follow that same model. Just plant that little seed in people's lives, in people's hearts. And along, along that same line, look where Jesus started here. Jesus spends the rest of his life confessing himself to be the Son of God. But look where he starts. He starts in with his own family. This is where his ministry begins. It starts in his own house, in his, with his own family, with his mom and dad. And I don't think that was by a mistake. I don't think that was um, an accident. Um, and I think that's a model that we can present also. You know, we're supposed to share our faith with our community, with the people we work with. But let's not forget our family. I mean, how many of us here today can say that, yeah, I know somebody in my family that hasn't committed their life to Jesus Christ? I have. I, have. I can say that. And, you know, I think it's so important that we don't miss that. Don't neglect your family in that way. Don't forget to minister to your family. They're first. They're primary. And so take that. Be intentional. Put that little seed in their heart and let God take the rest. Let God... Take that and make it bloom into a wonderful, beautiful flower of salvation. And right here is where begins the lifelong ministry of Jesus. And as we read here in verse 51 and 52, And he went down with them to come to Nazareth and continue to be subject to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. You know, this is where this little passage ends. We don't have anything else in the scriptures of Jesus as a little kid, of Jesus before his adulthood ministry. Jesus started his adult ministry in his 20s. We don't have anything else between now between now as a 12-year-old kid and then. But I still think this is enough. I think this is a beautiful picture, and it helps us understand the kind of person Jesus is as a little, even as a little kid. The rest of the book, the rest of these passages, um, is the official beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I, I encourage each of you to continue reading, continue learning. Take this time, take the end of 2020, take the beginning of 2021, and like I said earlier, focus on who Jesus is as a person. Focus on how awesome and glorious he is. This book, Luke, has so much wonderful information and it gives you such an inner sense of, wow, Jesus is incredible. Not just this passage, but the rest of the book, too. So take that time in your own walk with Christ. Take the time, read the book, and you will be, I promise that you will be able to say, wow, look how awesome my Savior is by the time you're done. And I know that we didn't spend a lot of time here this morning, but I do hope that you leave here today with a couple things. I hope that you leave here with a greater appreciation and a greater sense of, of how awesome Jesus is. That's the biggest thing I want you to take away. That's the biggest focus that we need to have as believers is just how amazing our Savior is. I hope that, that, I hope that you are able to see that in this little passage, and I hope that you're able to continue with that going forward. And second, I hope that you are able to have a renewed appreciation 
for your own family. You can see here in this passage just how important family is to Jesus. They're the very first people that he ministered to. And he grew in favor with his family. And so you can just see how amazing, how precious family is to Jesus. And so I hope that you leave here with that same sense in your own lives, that you don't... I know families are hard to deal with, and I know especially this year... It's been very challenging for a lot of our families, but I hope that you leave here that you leave here with a greater sense and appreciation for those in your life that you get to call family. And I hope here that you're also able to leave this morning and be able to take that same sigh of relief, knowing that you personally have found Jesus and that you've dedicated yourself to be the son and daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like I said a minute ago, if you haven't made that decision in your life, if you still have that looming anxiety over you of, man, I don't know if I've accepted Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going to happen to me after I leave this world. Then don't wait another minute. Come find myself or one of the pastors. We would love to talk to you. And as far as that goes, if you are here this morning and you're suffering, you're hurting, you have anxiety and fear and sorrow in your life, come and talk to us. We're, at, we're here to share each other's burdens. So come and talk, and we would love to be able to share with you. Um, so those are the three things I want you to be able to take away from this morning, and I hope that you truly leave here with a greater appreciation of Jesus and of his word. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time that we've spent this morning in it. God, I just pray that you would please help us to leave here with a greater appreciation of who you are. Father, I thank you for this time of year that we just got to experience this Christmas season. And I just pray that um, our focus wouldn't end here. I pray that going into the new year, that we would focus on you and your coming and your death and your resurrection. I pray that that would be a focus in our daily lives. And Father, I just pray that um, for those here this morning that are hurting, that you would please give them peace. Help them to find you, Lord, and help them to be able to give that same sigh of relief that Mary and Joseph were able to. Father God, I just pray for this church. Pray that you please bless it. Be with everybody as they go home. Help us to honor and glorify you with everything we do. We love you, and we ask this all in your holy and precious name. Amen.